welcome, welcome to the Run With Us podcast, your show for everything Chicago Bulls. And now, your co-hosts, Michael Lavalarte and Kevin McKenna. Welcome back, Bulls fans, to the fifth episode of the Run With Us podcast. I'm Michael, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin. And we got another good show for you today. A little bit of the dry season coming up in the NBA with Summer League ending. We just wait for training camp to begin and preseason. So I guess we can start off by just going over the end of Summer League and what we saw as a whole from the the four key players that were playing. Yeah, uh, it was all in all a success. We got a good sample of what our rookies did. Good sample of Marco Simonovic, how he progressed. Uh, it was just really good to see all in all. I actually really liked Dale and Terry's leadership in a sense. A couple of his Instagram posts just kind of showing that mentality of, oh, I was here to show up, prove what I can do. And I don't know, he kind of all took it in. I feel like he handled it really well. Uh, it was pretty exciting to see. Yeah, like you said, um, he was a really good teammate even when he went down. You know, he... He put that post out after the game, you know, shout out to my teammates for, you know, picking it up after he went injured. I don't think the injury was too bad. It was a non-contact hamstring injury. I I don't think it was anything no, serious. No, it's nothing severe. But, no. um, you know, he had a good summer league. There was times where, yeah, a lot of turnovers in some games, did a little too much with the basketball, and we we know, like we always go over it, we know what we have. He's, his offensive game has a lot of room to grow. So, but from what we saw with his defense, he had some really good blocks. I remember his using his length and athleticism, the defense, and obviously his energy and hustle is always there. So I, I think that coming out of the summer league, we saw great things from Dale and Terry. And like you said, just he took it all in and used the summer league to show what kind of player he is. I really like Justin Lewis too. I wish we could see a little bit more from him. Yeah. Like, he showed flashes, like, the athleticism. He's so He's bouncy, man. And he can shoot a little bit, too. And I like that we got him, and he'll probably be a two-way player for us, but... He's got a really big frame. Yeah, he's 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 got a, he's got an NBA body. Yeah. He just needs to uh, probably just develop his, his footwork and offense a little bit right. more. But, um, so then we obviously have to talk about Marco, who, great first game, really bad second game, and then finished strong the last yeah. uh, three games of the season. So, I liked what we saw from Marco. Again, we know we know what we have in Marco. Bulls fans don't get you know don't over exaggerate what we saw. It's summer league. He's gonna be the back, the third string center slash power forward on this team. But I think he's ready to take that step and play in some meaningful minutes. And he's shown that he he's capable of being. He's got an NBA body now. He's capable of being you know an actual rotational player rather than just you know getting blown out by thirty and putting him in the game. Right. And. We, we've seen, you know, good things from what we've gotten in the draft so far from Acme, so maybe they found a gem, and maybe he does pan out to be, you know, a solid player in the NBA, but I'm just excited to see what he can do in meaningful minutes. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we saw the body transformation, confidence transformation. He right. just looks a little more comfortable. Um, confidence is there. Yeah. It, like we, you said. We saw it with Pat William last year in the Summer League, how he got that he was the guy last year in the Summer League, and then... His confidence carried into the, the season a little bit. Like everyone was like, "Oh, he's ready to take over right. his second league." He got injured. We didn't see it. I think it's gonna happen this year. But for Simonovic, we saw it. Like this was his team in the summer league. He was the guy that you know the main part of the offense, and right. and now that's gonna hopefully carry into the, the NBA season. Only difference would be obviously, kind of like you said, we can't get a two ahead of ourselves. Right. I it's, mean, it's, our, our roster. Is... It's Marco Simonovic. He's a third string center on right. our roster. He's gonna be a barely rotational player, but. But that's this season. That's this season. And with what we've seen in Summer League, there's nothing to, to say bad about him other than the fact that he's put in the work and he's grown as a player. And yeah. that's all you can ask from a guy who's gotten the second round and was a Euro stash player. Yeah. Just excited to see yeah. how much he grows. And then we got to talk about uh, Javon Freeman-Liberty. I apologize for getting his name wrong in the last episode. And um, also Malcolm Hill, who are both two-way contract guys. Yeah, that. Uh, did you see that little hezzy move by That Mark was nice. Hill had a nice yeah, summer league, too. By. Silent, like, no one really talked about him because, you know, we, there's not too much about him that we need to learn. But I like Malcolm Hill. Yeah, I, I know I'm I liked glad, him last season gonna... when he got he got a smaller role. Um, yeah. He he shot the ball pretty well. He plays defense and can hit the three ball. Yeah. That's pretty much all you can ask from a player of his, his caliber. And he showed in the summer league. He was 
one of our top scorers in the summer league this year. Yeah. And Freedom Liberty as well. Uh, kind of a give-and-take situation. Sometimes you're going to get um, some really good plays. Sometimes you're going to get some iffy yeah. decisions, you know. He's he's just a score-first guard. Like, every time I see him with the ball in his hands, he's looking to, to score. And he's, he's, quick. he's capable. of. He's quick. He can shoot the ball. He's decent around the rim. I don't think he's going to get much time this year, if if any, in the NBA. Probably even more of a G League player, but... It's always good, you know. I like we said, we trust in this front office, and they brought him in off as an undrafted free agent. So, you know, it's exciting to see, you know, what these players can do when given opportunities. And what we saw last year, you don't know. It could be the snap of a finger. You could be the starting point guard for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, we saw games where I believe Malcolm Hill started some games for us. I'm not sure, but I I know we had some some we had Alfonso McKinney in the starting lineup a couple of times. Yeah, so <laughs> you never know when these calls can be made. Yeah, I find it interesting. As I, you know, when you're a kid and you're watching the Bulls, obviously, younger for us, you know, we, we were watching Derrick Rose and stuff. You don't think about the development as much when you're younger. You care right. about the stars yeah. and how what. But then, you know, you, you mature as a basketball fan. Um, you you start to look ahead in the future a little bit more. Not everything's so in the now. And I find that stuff so fascinating. I, Just I really like that you brought that up. The that's... development of... That is correct. Like, guys. Maturing as a basketball fan and being a sports fan in general, like especially those fans, like they're they're called casual fans. They 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 say things and they don't always understand what they're talking about. Oh, why did we do this? Why did we do that? Like these guys that are making these moves, a lot of player, a lot of executives and coaches make boneheaded moves, and you know that's always hindsight. In the NBA and any sport, you gotta you know you make the move. It's all a risk and a hope. Because you can trade for one of the best players in the league, and they can come to your team and suck. Right. And then, then you get clowned for making that trade. But then if they come there and they win you a championship, then, oh, this remember this GM who traded, you know, he had the guts to trade for this guy, and then we won a chip? Like, So being a developed NBA fan, especially with basketball, and, and looking at these you know two-way contracts and, and understanding, keeping an eye on these players and, and saying, you know, when – scout these guys, understand what they can bring to the table because two, three years in the future, we might, you know, have a completely different team. So like you said, just paying attention to small things and and when watching and being a fan of your team is important, especially if you're going to be an active and vocal fan and want to say things like on Twitter, just try to understand as much as you can before you say anything. Right. You know, we're not, we're not, you know, we're NBA insiders, we're not experts in the NBA, but we we understand, like you said, we've matured a lot in our basketball fandom. Rather than just watching the top five players in the NBA, we, you know, we we look at the G Leaguers, we look at the Summer League, we pay attention to everything because it all incorporates into how our team's doing and where our team's going, yeah. and that's what we care about as fans. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, So I was listening to another podcast, and they were talking about how we got to this stage of where we are with the team. Going back to basically the Jimmy Butler trade. So I kind of wanted to go back and piece how we got here together and go through the moves we've made and how they've panned out for us where to, to where we are now. Okay, I like So I, I guess before we start with the Jimmy Butler trade, we should talk about why we had to trade Jimmy Butler. Because he was, after D. Rose, he was looking like the next guy. Well, it's actually funny that you say that. And... Yeah, we'll get into that right in a minute. But I was going to bring up this trade specifically. I was actually not aware that we were going to bring this up. But I was going to bring it up because as we were talking about hindsight, right, talking about looking at the smaller things, it's like you said, you can't get too ahead of yourself when these GMs or these front office moves happen because you never know what the outcome is going to be. So we traded Jimmy Butler, and there was – very mixed emotions about it. I mean, me personally, I know back then I was such a huge Jimmy Butler fan. I actually had been a fan of him from Marquette when he played. So for him to come to the Bulls and watch the way Jimmy Butler progressed as a player, super exciting, becomes a improved, most improved player on top of the world, then obviously gets all-star selections. It was just – it was it was amazing for me to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, and then that you had that year where him and Power in the all-star game is just – it was just fun Jimmy, for me. Jimmy was homegrown and like D Rose, we fell in love with him pretty quickly. Right. And then, to, like you said, to see him go was to see him go. It, it hurt so much, especially 
at the time, it felt like we didn't get enough back for him. Exactly. That's what especially with the trades now. Like if we traded Jimmy Butler that year, he wasn't he was an MVP candidate that year. If we traded him in today's NBA climate, oh my God, we would have gotten so much more back. Exactly. But but it's it's hindsight. So now and then, but then remember the year we got Lowry Markin rookie and Chris Dunn was actually, you know, a huge piece in that trade. And and the guys on the the podcast, I think it was it was actually the uh, the Bulls Talk podcast that I was listening to, and and they were talking about how Zach Levine was basically a throw in in that trade. They wanted the Bulls wanted Wiggins, and Zach Levine was kind of the third piece because Chris Dunn had been linked to the Bulls the year before, in the draft coming out of Providence. Yep, Bulls didn't take him, and like he was an elite defender. And had lots of potential as a scoring guard. So it was him and Lowry Markin in the seventh overall pick as the two main pieces. And Zach Levine, everyone saw him as a capable scorer, but can you take the next step? Right. An athletic and, guy. Yeah. You know, he was known for his athleticism. He can shoot, but can he become, you know, a guy that can be a team's focal, focal scorer? And like you said, the hindsight, think about that year, how, thought, how we thought we got such a good trade. Markin soared as a rookie, had a great rookie season. I think all rookie first team, if I'm if I'm correct. Chris Dunn looked pretty decent. He he looked terrible in his first year in Minnesota, but then we got him, and he was like, okay, this guy actually actually can play now that he's given a chance because he was playing in Thibodeau's right in Thibodeau's uh, scheme, and you know how he, he is with rookies, and <laughs> yeah. um and then Levine obviously was injured for half that year, came back. We saw his ability to score, but. It's insane to think that year I was so hyped. I was like, okay, we traded Jimmy Butler, but we have so much to build off of. But we also had to remember who, where our front office was and our coach at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you probably had some feelings about that year. Just just that year, the post-Jimmy Butler first-year trade. What were, your, what were you feeling about the team? Well, it's kind of like I said. So, I, I wasn't mature enough as a basketball fan to look at it in the, light, in the right light. Um, because like I said, I, I just felt just watching Jimmy Butler grow and having been a fan of him for such a long time, it it was really tough to see him leave. Um, obviously it was coming off a disappointing season and I knew the trade was going to happen back then, but it was just tough. And like I said, I just wasn't mature enough. So I was pretty gutted. Even throughout the the season, when we like the next season after that, yeah. after like obviously it was still hurt seeing Jimmy but not suit up for the Bulls, but like that first year it looked like we had three like really good pieces to build around, especially with the way Markin played, with what we thought Zach Levine could be, and then Chris Dunn was playing a lot better than, than yeah. we thought we were going to get. So them. so I like, think the Lowry was most intriguing for me as probably most. Um, Chris Dunn was also an intriguing player, but I don't think I understood. And this is funny saying it now, but I I didn't understand the value that he held um, <laughs> with his defensive capability right, right. back then. You know what we Jimmy. thought of him as it a player. It just wasn't Jimmy. Right. No matter what who was playing, it wasn't him. Exactly. It's the same thing with Rose. Like that year, like we had Rondo, D Wade, and 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 Butler, but you know Rose wasn't there anymore. I think if a similar if we had, if this was a different situation, uh, actually, I'll put it this way: if I was at the same level of maturity as a fan now as I was back then, and the potential of all those pieces were the same, I think I would have been much more pleased with it. Now, obviously, looking back, Lowry didn't necessarily pan out. Right, Chris Dunn didn't pan out. But like you said, if 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 you saw it as the potential was the same of let's say. Three said players that we got back for a trade right now. You'd understand why we had to make the move yeah. more than you did then. Yeah, and and like you said, not looking back on it now, we did have to trade Jimmy. We were stuck in mediocrity. We didn't have the cap space to build around oh, for him. For sure, we had you know our our lineup. After that, would we would have had to go into that next year with the, again D Wade as our shooting guard. We would have had Robin Lopez at our center as our center. We would have had no. We would have had the 16th overall pick in the first round, like. We just had no way to build anything, and the, the front office was incapable of adding um, adequate talent. So un, it sucked, but we had to make that trade. And then, obviously, we we probably would have been stuck in – we would have been bad now because we would have had to start a rebuild later. Yeah. So we wouldn't have as good of a team right now. And 
we got a superstar back from that trade. Borderline, all right, borderline superstar. There might be only like four. It depends how you define superstar. But Zach Levine is a star, and we got him from that trade, and we developed him, and and he was the guy that that he's the only guy that remains from that trade. So, like we said, we want to discuss how we got to this point. Okay. So, so Zach Levine is is. Well, we'll go back a little. So we trade Jimmy. We get Lowry. Well, we get the seventh pick. Turned into Lowry Marketing. Chris Dunn, Zach Levine. So. We go through that season, kind of a dull season. Right. I mean, we were bad. We got the seventh overall pick in the draft next year, which turned into Wendell Carter. Right. So that was supposed to be the front court of the future. So that's a good place to, to, to continue this. So we have now we have our point guard, our shooting guard, our power forward, and our center of the future. Hopefully, that's what the, they wanted. And we were always looking for that small forward to replace Jimmy Butler. So. Going into that, the second year after the Jimmy Butler trade, we got Wendell Carter, who was thrusted into the starting lineup because Robin Lopez missed the first game of the year against the 76ers. Mm-hmm. So Carter was put in the starting lineup. Same way marketing was put in the starting lineup really early because of the Bobby and Nico fight. Right. The brawl. The, br- the, <laughs> the punch hurt around the world. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I was okay with that. It might have hurt his development a little bit, just throwing him in. And he had to play Embiid in that first game, and it was not pretty. But but Carter showed potential, especially on the defensive side. So, again, that was our that was supposed to be the core four going forward. Dunn, Levine, Markkinen, and and Carter. And I think it was Dunn first that the, that the front office realized that he's just not going to be right. you know, the guy. So that's why next year, Kobe White. Because Dunn was gone by that next year, I believe. Still playing great defense. I think he was top five in the league in steals for us one year, and he would come off the bench and and play some really good defense and you know be a spark plug guy. But he just wasn't going to be the point guard of the future. So the Bulls were always looking for that point guard and always looking for that wing. And you remember how we got the wing player because of the uh, Jabari Parker Bobby Portis trade. Right. We had Jabari Parker signed to be that small forward power forward because they wanted to bring him home and we needed a small forward. That's the, the the second year we drafted Carter and then we brought in Jabari Parker too, and then midseason the front office was like, "Wow, what a mistake that was." Parker was injured, and when he did play, he was not good. And Portis was coming up on free agency. Just that I don't know. He kind of ended up being an odd man out. I I hated that we had to trade Bobby Portis. He was just on the come up too. Like he was improving every year. He was always a fan favorite in Chicago. But then we bring in Otto Porter, and he's coming off. You know, disappointing year for the Wizards. Big contract, but good defender, can shoot, and would be that glue guy in between to fill the pee, yeah. to fill the hole that we needed. And obviously that didn't work out either. Again, hindsight, right? You, at the time, yeah, he's making a lot of money, but we're a rebuilding team. And, you know, he's a player that he's a veteran. He brings in defense, leadership, and he can score the ball. So at the time, it actually didn't look like a bad trade. And we got out of the Jabari Parker deal. He had to give up Bobby Portis, but bringing in – Otto kind of filled out the lineup nicely. Obviously, we look back on it. We paid him a lot of money for not a lot, but that was the that was then the next that was the, the next core was Levine, Otto, Lowry, and Wendell Carter. And then we go into year three after after the Butler trade. Yeah, that that core I feel like it had some gravity to it. I, I, I was. It was. I it found was, myself pretty excited. I mean, well, before I realized that Otto Porter just was not going to cut yeah. it, and, and then the it, contract. it was based on Lowry. They thought Lowry was going to be a star too. Yeah, because no, at that time he was still like, okay, this is a guy we're building around. We're building around Lowry. At that time, I, I almost thought Lowry was our best player on the team because Levine was still working his way up into being an actual first option who's efficient, first player to hit a hundred three pointers. Yeah, like Lowry took off so fast, and you know how big of a fan I was. Like I was all in a Lowry marketing. Thought he was going to be the next, like, Porzingis slash Dirk type of guy. But injuries and, you know, just the lack of development hurt his, you know, hurt his stock with the Bulls. But like you said, the, those th- that core had some weight to it because we as Bulls fans saw Levine and Lowry as, like, two huge pieces that we could build around that can be potential stars. And, you know, the guys around them with Wendell Carter being the defensive-minded guy and Lowry being the offensive guy in the front court, 
it seemed like we had something good to build off of, especially with the veterans we brought in, Thaddeus Young, Tomas Sedaransky, Justin Holiday was brought back. Like, yeah. We had a nice little team. We knew it wasn't a contending team, but it was a quick rebuild that we thought was going to take place. So then we go through that year. We start to have our gripes about Larry Markkinen, right? Right. The the lack of taking advantage of his size, not the most graceful way to put that, but no, it it, it it's true. We he he showed potential. There was one month, I think February, where he averaged like twenty six and twelve or something like that, where he was just going crazy. But we were like, why can't he do that all the time? We know he was injured a lot. Is he was never fully healthy for like the last two seasons he played for us, and. That hurt his development a lot, but like you said, like it comes down to you're seven foot. If you're just being a stretch big, then you're that's not developing. You can shoot threes, that's fine, but what else can you do for a, to to make winning plays? And that's when we started to see. All right, Zach Levine is the guy. Yep, uh, we determined. I mean, Wendell was still young, but I would argue it showed pretty quickly that he just wasn't going to be. The right piece for us, Wendell or Lowry? Wendell. Yeah, it, it it really came down to his size. We needed a big because we didn't have. If if Lowry was a capable defender, then it would it would make Wendell okay because Wendell's a good defender for center. He is, but he's just undersized. And when you have to guard guys like Embiid, it I'm had not, gotten to that point in the East. Yeah, when these teams were getting these massive offensively skilled centers, right? Like Embiid, Vooch used to torch us too. Exactly. Vooch would give Wendell the work. That's exactly what I mean. So Wendell's a- athletic and can he's very good defender. He's a good rim protector for his ability, but not good enough to be, you know, the the main interior defender. He needs a guy like he needs help and the Bulls just didn't have it. And when you're you're telling Wendell go out there and guard Embiid in your first, you know, NBA game and then you have to guard Embiid, Vooch, you know, they, they, Porzingis was still in the East a couple of those years. Like, there's still a lot of big guys in the East and in the West when we play those teams, too, that, that Wendell would just get torched by. And it's not just on him. It was on the Bulls just being bad. But yeah. it well, was clear that Wendell would—he was never going to be the guy. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't see him bringing us into contention if he was our starting center. Maybe no. power forward. Like, I thought he should have switched to the four. That's what the Magic were doing last year. And he had a, he had a great year last, he did. last year. But— like you said, it, it became clear that he just couldn't be, you know, that guy for us. So we go through that season, and if I'm on the right timeline right now, that's when we start looking into coaching change. Uh, by then, I think Boylan was the, was the coach. I think midway through that season, we were so bad that year that I think Boylan became the that head was coach. the year when it, it, Levine and Boylan started butting yeah. heads, and because they 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 got Boylan, and right away things went bad, and then. The front office extended Boylan. They gave him like three more years. Yeah. Boylan had good experience and like he was a respected coach around the league, assistant. So people knew him, but when he he took over, he tried to become like, you know, General Patton. Right. And the players weren't having it. He just did not fit the the mold as an NBA coach, head coach. And we saw how that worked out. <laughs> no command of his team. I mean, there was clearly not enough respect from. Uh, no, I'm not trying to put out there that none of the players on the Bulls respected Jim Boylan or or that Jim Boylan gets zero respect around the league. But it was pretty obvious that he didn't get enough um, to the fact, to the point that he had a full grasp on the team and where it was going. And you could kind of see a lack of structure, in a sense, to both offense and defense. And right. I think that really stems from the players not trusting or really respecting exactly what Jim Boylan set as the game plans. I think is I think when he was hired as the coach, fair. I think obviously he comes in the situation like the Bulls are like, okay, we got a new coach. But then he probably just quickly lost that respect. Because he went from assistant coach to head coach, which was fine. The players are like, all right, this is our new head coach. But he must have done something, the way he handled it. Like, I remember there's interviews like, the guy was just Well, that's the thing clueless. I was going to say. I mean, it, it shows the importance of how you present yourself to the public. Not only how you not only how you command a team behind the scenes in the locker room but how you present yourself to the public eye right. cuz players see that i mean and i it, i find it hard to imagine that 
Boylan would kind of choke in these interviews, and then it'd be all perfect high class in the locker room. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite one was uh, I'm going to develop this bench. Like you're a rebuilding team that's just trying to develop the start, the talent, the young talent that they have. Like our bench at that time was like Tomas Zdaransky, um, and like Thaddeus Young. Robin Lopez. Like, like, what are you talking about? We have things that we need to. We need Levine. We need marketing. We need Wendell Carter. And like, uh, I think Kobe White was still was there when he yeah, was he the was. coach too. Like, those are the players you have to focus on. Get and there's a reason out. why we didn't develop a lot of our young talent. Yeah. Like, it went from Fred Hoiberg to Jim Boylan. Like, we lost out. Like Doug McDermott. We lost out on. Um, like Denzel Valentine was never developed. Um, uh, what's his face? The other guy we got. Uh, we were just talking about him, Bobby Portis. Like, yeah. like these were young players we had, and we we drafted them with hopes of them being good, and they were never developed. And that's on the coaching staff, and you know the front office too, but mainly the coaching staff. And that's why once Boylan came in there, and he's talking about developing the bench, and you know focusing on being such a disciplinary coach rather than you know giving the the young guys the the pieces around them and the tools that they need to be successful. That wasn't that didn't seem like it was the focus, and the players felt that quickly, and they didn't, you know, at, by the end of that that relationship, it just was very toxic. Very. So then you move on, and we, and we're in the market for a new coach. Jim Boylan, Jim Boylan gets fired, and we look at other options. Is there any coach around that time other than Billy Donovan? I think I think it came down to like Billy Donovan and Kenny. Atkinson, yeah, I want to say. I was going to ask: is, is was there another option that? You yeah, there was a few good go coaches on the, at that on time. The, on the uh, there was a few good coaches on the on the docket there, but I think that you that wanted to go with though. Kenny Atkinson was one guy I was really I was really excited about because he made that young Nets team that won with the D'Lo led team that they took to the playoffs mm-hmm. that year. You know, they didn't go very far, but they their culture and they grew. They went from bottom of the league to like playoff contenders, and with a mid roster, like they didn't have a superstar talent on that team, right? And um. And it's kind of the same thing with Billy Donovan because he took that Thunder team to the playoffs who everyone thought was going to be terrible. Obviously, Chris Paul was great for them. Danilo Gallinari had a great year. Uh, Shai Gillagis Alexander, you know, came, you know, came burst onto the scene that year. So they had a lot of talent, but no one expected them to be that good. And they, you know, were like a five seed in the, in the, in the West. And Billy Donovan was a head coach, and Chris Paul said great things about him. Everyone said great yeah. things about him. We know what he did at Florida, so I was I was happy when we hired Donovan. Me too. I, I had been a fan of him, and the clear difference was evident right away. Yeah, the difference was that he was a capable NBA coach, right? And even <laughs> just the way he presented yeah, himself, he, he knew how to handle a locker room. He knew how to. It was extremely refreshing right. to see someone who I, I I'm not saying Jim Boylan's not a smart guy. He he got to where he is for a reason. I'm sure he's very competent as far as basketball goes. But something was missing there, and it was so refreshing to see Billy Donovan come in. Who Just, like, the way he expresses himself, just such an intelligent basketball mind. Right. I mean, I was – I mean, for the options we had, Billy Donovan, I was completely content with that. He came in, and he said his focus was player development and, like I said, giving the players the coaching that – individual coaching that they need and, and bringing the team together. And – we brought him in knowing that we were ready to take a step. Even though it was still the old front office at that time, you can see there was something building. And, you know, you can't rebuild for six, seven years. Like, it was already three years into a rebuild. So this coach has to be the guy to take us from rebuilding team to the next step to, you know, playoff, getting into the playoffs. And first year that Billy Donovan is here, obviously we know what happens. The front office trades for Nicole Vucevic. And that signifies that, you know, this team is, all right, we're bringing in another all-star player. We're sending away some of our young talent. We got Zach Levine ready to go. We got picks that we can spare because we've already developed. We've already gotten a lot of draft picks. And, you know, again, it, it tells Zach Levine, your star player, that, you know, we're, we're ready to build something here. And was it, was it, um, Arturis that was there that year? That was that was him, them, right? Yeah. That, okay. That was that was our first year, right? Was it? Or did, did they we... did they hire Billy Donovan or did No, so the first main move made by AK and Mark Eversley would be that Vucevic trade, which really, like you just said, kicked things off. Right, right. 
And so they were the ones that brought in Billy Donovan, obviously. Then their first draft pick was Patrick Williams, which, you know, those moves didn't really signify anything too insane. And then, like you said, the Vooch trade was the first one that the first main thing that these guys came in and they're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to get ready and we're going to start doing something. We have the young talent. Some of it hasn't worked out. We need to, we need to make a move or we're going to be stuck in a rebuild forever. So, you know, Acme comes in quickly. You can see that they're, they have a vision for the team with the coach, the draft pick, the Vooch trade. And then that takes us in to disappointing second half of that year. Zach Levine misses time due to COVID. We miss out in the playoffs kind of hurts us because we gave up our first round pick, yep. but we get into the off season and teams are, you know, players and teams are starting to see, okay, the bulls are bulls are coming up. So, and I love that the front office knew this is when it's time to strike. There was great talent in that off season to, to get, and not just to start players, guys like right. Alex Caruso, bringing back Javante green, you know, even Tony Bradley was a solid pickup for the, the contract we got him. And, you know, Especially after the game he played against us that previous yeah, season. Yeah, right. right. He looked really good those couple of games that we saw him. And, um, like, you can bring in the stars, but how do you div- round out the team? Like, it was really just – they just showed such aggression. And and their ability to, to find talent. Because we saw, you know, they brought in Troy Brown, too. They brought in Daniel Tice. They brought in um, uh, Javante Green. Like, we, we got a lot of – Good little talent that we found from these little trades that we made in that off in that, I know. In and that then midseason. Those trades would be made, and then we'd see like little glimpses of them because right. we didn't expect much of it. And then we we see the way Javante Green plays, and we're like, "Holy crap! Like this guy is so athletic." And we see Troy Brown. Sorry, I hit the mic there, folks. We I got too excited. Um, Troy Brown gets you like that. Yeah, uh, Troy Brown. The we, we see him play defense, and we're like, "Oh my god!" And then Stacy is obviously was a big proponent in hyping up Troy Brown. Um, which just got Bulls fans even more excited, right. myself included. I'm like, oh, crap, Like this guy can actually play, uh, you know, regardless of if he gets real significant minutes or not. He's a good piece to have here. And it's been it had been so long since we've seen those little moves become that impactful to, to the team. Right. Something and- like that small that you could look at and go, okay, no, this was not for nothing. This was not some dinky trade um, just to make a move. Right. And we, we, the the trades we made, like it's actual talent that's coming in. It's not superstar talent. Like Trevante Green's not a superstar. Troy Brown's not a superstar. But the pieces that are coming in can can contribute to the team. Every one of them contributed to the team that we brought in. And you know, it's not us training for Cameron Payne and Anthony Morrow. <laughs> like, it's not us trading. You know, for for guys who, you know, someone in the front office thinks, oh, bring this guy and he has a chance to break out. How many moves did we make like that? To, with the old front office and coaching staff, like Countless. this, this, this new front office. That's why we have faith in them because they showed us that they can find talent, they can develop the talent, and they can do it without having to give away so much. They can find these diamonds in the rough pieces that are like not gonna be superstars on the team, but everyone can contribute, and that's all you can ask from a lot of these trades, right? And so, so we're in the off season, right? So right now we have Zach Levine to build around and Nikola Vucevic. We don't have our first round pick, but we we have Kobe White, who's coming off a shaky year. Question is, can be he can he be the, the lead guard? And then we have Patrick Williams going into his second year. Can he is he ready to take over that third spot? Is he jumping into star status yet? Right. So the main conversation is after the year Kobe White had, can he be well, it was pretty much already determined that he wasn't going to be the point guard, the lack of ball handling, and I think the decision-making got a little bit better towards the end of the year, but not enough to feel confident in that. So yeah. we knew we needed a point guard. And and Kobe White, remember, he, he wasn't drafted by the new front office. So the old front office drafted him to be the point guard. That ta- that draft class was a little top-heavy, so we took Kobe knowing he he, he wasn't at a superstar potential, but he, had, he can score the ball. You know, he's a good player, so he had potential to be the starting point guard for the Bulls, and he got his opportunity. They gave him that, you know, lead guard role, and like you said, he just his decision-making wasn't there, not a good enough playmaker, can't defend the point guard position. So it was clear we needed to bring in someone who can fill those holes and can play some winning basketball for the team. And Kobe White would take on the six-man, you know, plug-and-score off the bench role, which he had which shown was, that which was, was I was so excited about. Yeah, which he had shown that that's where he 
he thrives. Yeah, we know that he wasn't a fan of it, but he was never, for lack of, he was never like disrespectful. No, about he's it. always been professional, it, and he understood professional. Like, his play didn't warrant him being the starting point guard for the Chicago Bulls. He had expressed that he was disappointed that previous season. He right. when he got moved down, I, right. I'm saying he had expressed that although he was disappointed, it wouldn't deter him from working. He he said, I still believe I have the talent and the work ethic to be a starting point guard in this league. Right. I'm just not there yet. I forgot about the benching that Billy Donovan did in his first year. Yeah. It was Larry Markin and Kobe White, right? Yes, both of them got and moved down to the bench. Then Sato and, and Sato came th- up to Thad the, came up to which, the starting lineup. Sato. The law offices were open. Yeah. <laughs> um, the law offices of Sato and Young. And then, um, I mean, I, I love the move to bring Thaddeus Young up. I think that was... We're getting a little off track here, but I love talking about this. Um, I love the move to bring Thaddeus Young up to the starting lineup, just like Thadric Johnson. It's such a good year that year too. Such a good year, just so exciting to watch. I hate that we had to move him for the Rosen, but me too. I I understood. That was great. The Sadoransky thing, I understood it. I wasn't over the moon about it, but it was just thought it was fine for us. Like it it was kind of a lack, a lack in depth from that position, or a lack of. Once we knew that Kobe was going to be moved down, there was no one, there was no budding potential talent that we can move up to test them in that um, role. It was just I believe Sadoransky. you are forgetting about Ryan Archidiakono. Ah, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> that. I, I like Ryan. No, it, yeah, he was fun to watch too. He but, was a hustler. <laughs> he was with and, the headband. Gotta love it. Um, let's get back to the point. So right now we're in off season. We need a point guard. We need Kobe a point White's guard, be the sixth and we man. need potentially to address the wing position. Right, and. We saw them do that very quickly. Rumors had been circulating uh, the Bulls' world with Lonzo Ball. From the previous trade deadline. Yeah, they wanted to get while. him at that deadline, too. Yep. Which, obviously, like you said, Kobe White saw that and, like, all right, this team is losing faith. But it wasn't that Kobe White was playing well and, and the team was losing faith. Kobe White just wasn't the guy the Bulls needed him to be. So it's a business. You have to bring in talent to fill the, te- the team's needs and— and Kobe White understood that and was professional about it. Did the best he could with the situation he was in. But obviously, Lonzo Ball, rumored to the Bulls, wants to play in a big market. First, you know, first minute of free agency, Bulls sign Lonzo. Sign and trade. Send Garrett Temple and Sato in a second to the Pelicans. Probably the move that all the Bulls fans were most confident in happening. It, it was mixed, though. Like, a lot of people were a little mixed on Lonzo because, you know, we're paying him. We, we gave him not a max contract, but a big contract to... To be, you know, basically a 3-and-D point guard. Yeah. But, but I, I'm fine with that. Like, I was happy we brought him in mainly for his defense and playmaking. We didn't need him to put up 25 a game. It, well, it kind of reminded me of, it's not the exact same, but kind of reminds me of the situation that the Knicks were in with this Jalen Brunson thing, right? Right. We don't. We didn't have any options. Uh, we needed a, a steady point guard who we wouldn't have to have to question if he was we need a lead a guard. A solid starting. Yeah, we a need lead, a lead. A point guard, a true point guard. Not, you know, not a guy who can do catch and shoots like Kobe White. Like, like Kobe White. Right. We needed we needed a point guard who, thankfully, Blonzo improved his three-point shooting, so he's a very good three-point shooter now. Great defender, good size, and is a great passer. Scoring, not his thing. He doesn't have a lot of touch in the mid-range. Not, you know, he doesn't use his floaters a lot. He can finish at the rim because he's long, but... We don't need. We understand what we're getting with him. If he can develop his offensive game a little bit, that'd be great. But he fits so well next to Zach Levine. It's it's perfect. It, it, yeah, it's perfect. It's we're not going to get into this, but I just hope everything's okay health wise with him, and that we can get right back to it next season. I just want to see some more Lonzo highlights, man. Me too. I mean, I, I we saw had... the uh, the clip come up of that first game against the Nets when so he had blocked. He held Harden yeah. to what? How, how many points do you hold Harden like to? Thirteen or something like, something that. like that. Like it was not a. Good and then game he for hits Harden. that dagger three, and he's just <laughs> running back down the court, smiling, yeah, holding up the three yeah. ball. And <sighs> on the road too, that was some gutsy. Uh, that was that was amazing play. But, but yeah, so so then we bring in Lonzo. Um, we're not done. <laughs> we're not done though. The, the Acme says we're ready. Let's go get the Rosen. The Rosen hadn't been signed. We knew there was rumors about him going to LA team. Mark Eversley is like, fly me out to LA. Let me get a last second meeting with Demar Rosen. See if I can get him to come to Chicago. And obviously, we know sure how that enough. works out. We offer him the most money or close to the most money. The Lakers couldn't afford him after training for Westbrook. 
Clippers, I don't think, gave him enough money. Um, so then we get him for the sign and trade. That one costs us a little bit. Thaddeus Young, first round pick. Um, but we brought, we had to bring him in. We did what we had to do. And so then we got the Rosen, Lonzo Ball, and then Caruso. We still weren't done. Yeah, Caruso we still weren't done. was. I was a little skeptical. I I admit, like I I was like nine million dollars a year. For uh, Alex I made Caruso. the exact same way. I, I was the exact same way because I didn't know about what he was actually capable. I just saw him as this meme player from L.A. Yeah, but holy crap, this guy is not just a meme. No. He's a, a legit winner. He plays defense. He's a defense. He can run dog. an offense, and he can shoot. You know, thirty six to forty percent from three, like. He's he started for us in the playoffs and was good. Like we got a technically a starting point guard, almost a Lonzo Ball type player for nine million a year. Sign me up any day of the week. Lonzo went out and it was enough insurance that I would go, Phew, it's fine. Alex Cruz is gonna come in and whoever right. whoever he's guarding, they're gonna be managed. And technically Caruso had a down year on the offensive side. He didn't shoot as great from three as he did with L.A. I'm, I expect that to come back once he's fully healthy. Yeah. And we didn't get, even get a lot of Crusoe because he missed a lot of time too. But, boy, like we, I forget that we have Alex Crusoe on and this And you team. remember last season they made that Bleacher Report bit on Alex Crusoe. I don't know if you've seen that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. They, they, they made that Bleacher Report video on Alex Caruso and his defensive mindset. Right. And it, it was just... I could not be happier. There's that a uh, that was... there's a uh, YouTube channel called Thinking Basketball. I'm sure you've seen yeah, it before. Yeah, that's great. And they break down. They they call them the the clamp uh, the clamp the clamp brothers or something like that. And Lonzo and Caruso yeah. on the court at the same time, and even when one's on the bench, like how they terrorize NBA teams and the way they defend. Like th- our defense was top ten, top five to start the year, and it was because of Lonzo and Caruso. Yeah, and. Like, if we can get Lonzo and Crusoe healthy, but having Crusoe as a backup option makes Lonzo's situation a lot less, you know, it's still serious, but it makes it a little bit more okay for Bulls fans because we have a veteran, a winning point guard that can fill in that starting role. And then, you know, he obviously started for us in the playoffs. So what an offseason that was to bring in all that talent. And then bringing back Javante Green on a two-year deal worth barely any money, finding Derek Jones right before the season for that Lowry trade. Yeah. I, I know we've kind of rambled on about, you know, how we came to this to this team we have now, but so much credit has to go to the front office and Billy Donovan for putting this team together and and, and, and so much changed so fast. It's like we were talking about the down years and the failed quote unquote core that we kept trying to build, um, which were the only player that had any consistency with Zach Levine and then just like in a blink of an eye I mean I pretty I think it's pretty clear what the difference was Mark Evers Mark Eversley AK they came in things were jumping right from the beginning everything they hunkered down and they were not there to play around or play it safe they had a vision they had a vision and they went for it and you see how much the team has changed in that time Patrick Obviously. Williams was uh was a really bold move by them as their first draft pick because we were all skeptical of that one too because we were like okay this guy didn't even start in his college team and he's drafted fourth overall I mean we were we had people I think I even was cheering for us to draft Denny uh, Avdija yeah and looking back on it like there's a lot of talent that is not as good as Patrick Williams in that draft that I was cheering for so. It's again. It's hindsight as fans too. You got to look back and got to give credit where it's due, man. And you got to be honest with yourself. Like I'm not trying to say that I shit on the pick when we got Patrick Williams. We were at work. We were like, who is this guy? <laughs> no one had heard anything about him. Like he started getting really popular towards the draft, but we called him Flower Boy. We Flower Power Boy, yeah. Because in his, I think in his draft video when he got drafted, they just showed him like. He was really obsessed with, like, flowers and stuff like that. But, uh, something about flowers for his mom. But yeah, it, it was cool, actually, but... Well, but, the guy um, is just a gem. He's yeah. a, he's also just a great guy. Yeah, and that was so the first right bull away, move. But... Like, kind of surprised a lot of Bulls fans, and Bulls fans are so quick to jump on him, including, uh, I know, myself and I guess you too, yeah. but, man, like, it's just looking back at how this team came together. Obviously, we haven't won a championship. We're hopefully going to contend this year. It's not looking, you know... So great right now because of the position we're in, but compared to those dog years that we had to suffer through, 
um, like, you know, we get to we, watch we, the Bulls in the playoffs. We get to watch the Bulls in the playoffs and a good Bulls team and something to cheer for. We don't have to watch, you know, a Bulls team getting blown out by 30 every game. We don't have to watch, you know, we don't have to hear about fights going on in the locker room. We don't have to hear about um, Jim Boylan. We don't have to hear Jim Boylan's press conferences after the game saying that, you know, he wants to develop the bench that's not going to be here next season. Like, oh man, it's it's a we just got to appreciate and be thankful for the team we have. Right. One more thing I wanted to know. I know this episode is drowning on a bit, but well, it was a blast for me. Oh, but I did. Fun. I did want to get more recent into um, the Bulls talk. I don't know if you saw this. I'm sure you did. The Goran Dragic comment about how much playing time he'd be receiving. Right. Um, he had said that he was told that he would be a 20 to 25 minute per game score um, and that he would be the secondary ball handler. Off the bench? Well, by secondary, I assume that's what it means. Not hmm. obviously not the two guard. So starting two guard. Well, obviously Caruso. Well, Caruso might start. The, and this is just really scary about Lonzo. That's really what it is. Because if Lonzo's healthy, he's the starter. Caruso's the backup, and then Io and Kobe are still here. That's what I'm saying. I I, I don't genuinely know. do not understand what he's saying. I don't know if I think. I mean, he's not going to lie. I, Billy Donovan and the front office. Well, told he him didn't that. say anyone specifically in the Bulls organization had told this to him. He, I think he had mentioned that this was part of the signing. This is a discussion that he had with them, but he didn't give a specific name. He didn't say, oh, when I was brought in, Mark Eversley told me or AK told me or, you know, I had a direct conversation with Billy Donovan as I was making the signing, and he said this would be my role on the team. Right. It wasn't anything like that, but it's – I am – I'm confused. <laughs> I, I'm confused about it. I, I, don't, I, I don't really understand what it means. So Lonzo Ball is our starting point guard, assuming right now. Okay, we can do another scenario where he's not. Lonzo Ball is the starting point guard right now. Starting shooting guard, Zach, Zach Levine, DeMar. Front front yeah, front court. Front court. Um, okay, that makes sense. Sure. Caruso's first off the bench. Caruso's first off the bench, no doubt. In my mind, I'm thinking probably the shooting guard. Io. I'm thinking oh, well, Car- they're, they're either one. I'm okay. thinking Caruso, Io. We'll say Caruso's the primary I, ball handler. I mean, I still expect bench. if Kobe's gone, it makes this a little bit less of a hairy situation. That's fine, but let's assume Kobe's gone for now. We'll say... Caruso point guard off the bench. I, I mean, listen, point guard, shooting guard, they're guard. just names, yeah, right? Just they're guards, yeah. right? You got Alex Caruso, and then what? Are we going to stop the development of Io DeSumo after that season you know that he had is? just to put Goran Dragic in? I just think Billy Diamond is going to commit to small ball again, and we're going to see lineups with like Caruso at the three, Io at the three, mixing the guards. So like we, Lonzo at the three if he's healthy. Like, <laughs> So Goran getting 20 minutes per game. And we're just not going to see a lot of the backups. Like, we'll see Drummond. And we're not going to see Derek, a lot of so the backups. A little bit of Derek Jones and Javante, but I think it's just going to be a lot of guard play. It's We'll see what happens. We'll see what it looks like. with with the. We'll see if, Lon, if Lonzo's not healthy and we trade Kobe White, then, honestly, Drogic will be a really big player on this team. Because then it's sure. Caruso in the starting lineup, or Io, and then... But you do also have to think about if we trade Kobe White, the pieces we get back for him would have to fit into the system too. And if Goran's playing and we still want to develop Io, and obviously we're going to play Alex Caruso, and that leaves room for small ball, if we're trading Kobe White to bring in bigger pieces off the bench, where do they fit into the lineup? Do you know what I'm saying? Right, and I think I think it has a lot to do with Lonzo's health. I think if Lonzo's healthy, I, just, like, I, I don't think that he can – they can play Goran for that many minutes. He'll have a role. It might be 15 minutes a game. It might be 20 minutes some games. But I think with Lonzo as the starting point guard, Caruso off the bench, then you'll have, then you'll have Dragic and Io as that secondary guard off the bench. And then I think we're going to try to bring in a wing player 
if we do get a trade with Kobe White or we'll bring in a draft pick. I don't think we're going to flip him for another guard. So, like you said, we're going to have to figure that out. But we can only speculate. Billy yeah, Donovan I mean, has an idea. They brought him in for a reason. Listen, if, if Goran's getting garbage time and he gets pissed about it, I don't really care. Right. Like, all right, bro. Yeah, you got. It is. I don't want. I don't want free agents thinking that we're lying to to in our um, negotiations. Like, you don't tell a free agent that he's going to get twenty five minutes a game and then not play him twenty five. minutes I mean, that's one of the, the main principles of this stuff. You you express a role to a player, right. and then they expect that role that's going to turn there. off free agents from coming to Chicago yeah. if they're like, oh, well, these guys are getting promised certain situations and not delivering. But we don't know how the negotiations actually went. It might have just been like, you know, there's a possibility you get this many minutes a game. You know, we expect you to have a role on our team rather than just a, you know, a 13th guy. And I don't think, like the Mavericks said, they, they want him to play one every five days or something like that. So it's not fully guaranteed that, like you said, we we're going to get 25 minutes a game from Dragic, but it's just, it's it's something that's a little confusing and interesting to talk about. I think that uh, this episode has gone on <laughs> pretty long this week, but we got a good conversation about where we you know, where we stand as a Bulls team now and how we got here. It's always fun to think about how we went from, you know, Jimmy Butler being our guy and ended up having to trade him to now we have a completely new team. And the only guy that remains from that era after that trade, that one, that first year of the rebuild is Zach Levine. Next week, we're going to be starting from the artist Gilmore era of the Bulls, and we're going to be working <laughs> our way all the way up to present day Bulls. So um, if you guys thought this one was long, shout out Gilmore and Bob Love. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. But yeah, so we'll we'll wrap it up now. Uh thanks for for bearing with our rants. It usually ends up going on tangents about certain players and people that have to do with this team, but it's, it's always the off fun. Season, baby. We, that's we, what the offseason's for, we right? We don't know. <laughs> oh, it's pretty much an open book every week for the offseason. There's always there's only so much you can say about summer league, right? <laughs> yeah. I I think we pretty much run can't it wait out for, anyway. Can't wait for at least training camp, so there's something to talk about, but but yeah, we got still more stuff to happen in the off season. We got a lot, lot more um, news that could potential potentially come out. Probably not related to the Bulls. We're waiting on a Kobe White trade. We'll see what happens with that. But other than that, we hope you have a great week. Uh, as always, thank you for the support we we get. It's so much appreciated. If you can share, you know, like, subscribe, download, comment, tweet at us, do whatever you can to everything to. Uh, to help us grow this show because we have so much we like we want to say. We got, you know, some potential uh stuff in the works. We just need to keep it grinding and keep it going. And anything you want to add before we leave, Kev? Just if you guys are listening on I mean, basically every platform has it. If you guys genuinely do like the content, just it it doesn't take much time. Just give it you know, a review or just or just give it some stars just so it can help us grow. We're trying to show up more on um different podcast pages and just i just grow as a as a podcast so the more people we can reach out to the better um and the more support we get the the better the content's going to be and i mean this is just for you guys so the more you guys put into it the more we can do for you guys that's facts all right peace out everyone and uh always remember run with us run with us